0: All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Time Out of Talk. We're your hosts, Raphael Singer. And
1: Hunter Leon.
0: The NBA season is officially over. The Golden State Warriors are the newest NBA champions. Uh, it's their fourth ring in eight years. Um, they've been in the finals six times in eight years. And the Warriors ended up taking this in six games. Steph Curry won his first finals MVP, and, um, it was good to see that happen finally. It feels like it's long overdue. So, I guess I'll start with a pretty simple question. Uh, Hunter, do we consider this Golden State Warriors team to be a dynasty up there with the likes of the San Antonio Spurs, um, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Chicago Bulls?
1: Well, first, I do want to say that both of us predicted the Warriors would win in six. So, a little pound yep. in the back. A little pound in the sense. back.
0: <laughs> not about but, how you start, it's about how you finish.
1: Yep. Hey, look, we might have gotten 99 other predictions wrong, but we got this one right. So we're going to celebrate.
0: Most um, one too. <laughs> uh,
1: but the Warriors, I do believe, are a dynasty. Um, their track record is pretty incredible going to the finals. They're four for six uh, in the finals. They have been to uh, losing to both Kawhi and LeBron James. And one of the years they won in, or one of the years they lost in 2019 kevin durant goes down clay thompson goes down and that could have been a very different series if they hadn't gotten injured but obviously injuries are the part of the deal um even then they you have to call them a dynasty if you're like calling the Shaq kobe lakers a dynasty obviously that team repeated but they did get to the finals uh four four times or yeah they got to the finals four times i believe
0: I think it was even um, five times. I'm not 100% sure. No,
1: That's... it could it couldn't have been five times because Kobe's 5 for 6 in the finals. Not true. Um anyway, so they they get, they got to the finals that many times. The Warriors have or equal or more than finals than them. Mm-hmm. Um the same thing with the Bulls in their, their first run. Uh, Spurs also the same thing. The Warriors are an all-time great team. Same core group. And I, I don't know if you saw this, but the Warriors, I think, are now the second, have the second all NBA trio uh, to have won four rings together. Uh, the only other team to have done that is the San Antonio Spurs with Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker. So if we are talking about like legendary trios, this Golden State Warriors core is definitely up there.
0: Yeah, it's pretty incredible to see. Um, especially after Kevin Durant left. A lot of people were counting the Warriors out, you know, saying that Steph Curry would never be back in the finals, that this is it for them, and, and for them to really come back and win this. I mean, this was a team that two years ago, they were the worst team in the NBA. Obviously, you know, that was there was extenuating circumstances with Klay Thompson being out and Steph Curry being out, but still the bounce back has been incredible. And I just want to credit the Warriors for just Having, I think, one of the best-run organizations in, in the entire NBA, they've really done every single thing possible, right? I mean, from drafting all the right guys, all their guys are homegrown. You know, they got Draymond in the second round. Steph Curry was the second guard drafted um, in that 2007 draft, I believe. Maybe 2009, I'm not sure.
1: 2009.
0: 2009, sorry. Um, and Clay Thompson, you know, they got him out of Washington State. So they really got like a a group of guys that you really would never expect to be this good. And they've just been doing everything right. You know, like even right now, with the Warriors winning the championship, I think they only have the potential to be better next year with James Wiseman coming back, with Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody only improving. Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole. Like look at the step he took from last season to now and the the way he's played in these playoffs. He's only going to continue to grow and to flourish in the system. So I think the Warriors definitely fit the definition of a dynasty. Um, but I want to transition to talking about a, another really interesting. Question. No,
1: oh, I, Sorry. I want to continue sure. talking about the, the worries on the subject a little bit. Uh, I think this is of the four uh, championships. The worries have won the most emotional for them. Um, hmm. Would you agree with that? I think it might be
0: up there with the first one, because obviously there's nothing quite like the first championship you win. Um, and by now they, they've been here so many times that I'm sure it's, It was definitely emotional, and they've gone through so much. But I might say it's it might be tied with that first one just because – I would say
1: this is more emotional, man.
0: I mean, okay, obviously the stories with the injuries, but come on. In in 2015, you're playing against LeBron James. It's your first finals ever, the biggest stage in the world. If you're Draymond Green, you're a second-round pick. You're not supposed to be there, but – in Steph Curry, you know? Like-
1: no, but the the, the the nobody was doubting Steph Curry in 2015 as the MVP, as somebody who was coming up there. Yeah, you're facing LeBron, which is the scariest opponent you could possibly face in, for a single person in that time period. But this year, they were doubted so many times, and not, not only this year, but the previous years. Everybody was counting Steph Curry out. He's not looking the same. He's not hitting his threes. And he, don't forget. He started this postseason coming off of the bench. He hadn't played a game in an entire month. People were doubting this Warriors team, unlike they were in 2015, and they came back and won it. People were doubting Clay Thompson. People were doubting Draymond Green. This team was full, like was constantly being um, scrutinized by the entire NBA because people know it, what they expected of this team, and the team wasn't living up to expectations, even as they were playing through all this stuff. So I definitely think this is the most emotional. And you saw it on Steph Curry's face.
0: That's true. I I mean, you make a lot of good arguments. And I think especially for a guy like maybe Clay Thompson, you know, he's coming off of two years missing basketball. And for him to come back and make an impact and, and to help his team win the championship definitely has to stir some emotions. But I would say in 2015, you know, this Warriors team was also really doubted. People knew Steph Curry was really good, but they didn't know if that could translate to postseason success, you know? No team before that had really won a championship purely based off being a jump-shooting team. And I would say that the Warriors were really the first team ever to do that. And obviously, like, Clay Thompson sort of fit that uh, that role as well. And so I would say, like, th- this year definitely, there was it was rife with emotions, but I don't think we can discount really the first one as well. So that's why I sort of have them
1: high for me okay that's fair so you wanted to move on to your other point though
0: yeah yeah so someone my friend uh jade actually raised this um this question to me um and i thought it was really interesting so i wanted to bring it up with you so he he was asking to rank the past four NBA, nba championship teams based off how good of a team they are so is this
1: based off of like if they were playing each other or as team construction in that year like how am i looking at this
0: just like which team is the best, like has the best stars, best team chemistry, best coaching, just like which team is the best units and has the best players, et cetera. And so obviously we're looking at the 2019 Raptors, 2020 Lakers, 2021 Bucks, and the Warriors from this
1: year. This is a hard one, man. These are really Who
0: talk, talk me through your process right now.
1: OK, so look, this is how I'm looking at. It. I'm thinking of it like prospectively. Kawhi Leonard in 2019 was the king of the NBA. Giannis, he locked down Giannis. Don't forget, he dismantled that Bucks team. This is before Giannis was like he was in 2021, though. And you cannot, obviously, the Warriors as well, um, with how Steph Curry played this postseason. Um, with the, the, my problem with, I can't, the Warriors are going to be uh, one of the lower tier teams on this list. For me, because of the way that Draymond Green played offensively and the way Klay Thompson played offensively for the majority of this final series, mm-hmm. for their core, Steph Curry blew, you know, that that team like up. Uh, he put them on the map. This team was would have not been this team without Steph Curry, obviously. But every other team has that guy and had a supporting cast who showed up in the finals, which is why I. It's it's weird to say this, but I think this Warriors team might be the worst of the four. And I'm because yeah. I, I I really think like I'm trying not like I want to put the Warriors higher, but this is a little recency bias because that Kawhi was so freaking dominant with Kyle Lowry is a great supporting cast. Pascal Siakam, most improved player that year. Um, then look at the 2020 Lakers. This the, from an unbiased standpoint. Le- when healthy lebron and anthony davis are the most unstoppable duo in the nba that's okay true, i think but- when healthy obviously the bubble is its own thing we mm. have to look at that but we're talking about team construction team chemistry that lakers team was 52 and 0 in that entire season when leading in the third quarter they never gave up a lead a single time when leading by double digits the team was 59 and 0 that is unheard of so i'm not putting the lakers team on top i think i'm gonna put the bucks team oh man this is so hard yeah
0: can i just uh yeah go
1: ahead give your give yours give yours yeah
0: so okay i I agree with some of the things you said i think that if we're ranking it in terms of like who is which team has the best player of all these teams i would say that the best player on all these teams is 2021 Giannis. i've never seen i agree be that dominant on both ends, multiple 40 plus point games in the finals. I think he even had a 50 point game, unbelievable. I'd,
1: I'd probably rank it in order of best player 2021, Bucks, Giannis, 2019, Kawhi, mm-hmm.
0: 2022,
1: Steph, and then 2020, LeBron.
0: I would agree with that. And, and sort of similar in my ranking, I would say this about the 2020 Lakers. For as much as I like that team and as much as, you know, I'm grateful for them, they brought a championship, there was serious, uh, a lot of serious holes on that roster that I think sort of got nullified by how weird the bubble was. I mean, this was not a good shooting team, but for some reason they just caught fire from three in the playoffs and that sort of like negated any sort of like roster deficiencies, you know. The, there was only a few good shooters on this team, but guys like Rajon Rondo were shooting the three ball at a ridiculous clip, which is not really reproducible, in my opinion. And so that's why I would have the, the Lakers more on the the bottom end of this ranking. I think yeah, I'd put them third. I would put them third as well. I would say the Raptors, in my opinion, are the lowest team because they literally won. I would say this. They, they are a great team. Obviously, Kawhi had an amazing run, one of the all-time runs in the NBA. But – they did win in large part due to huge injuries on the opposing side, so we can't really know their peak. So I would put the Raptors at the bottom. I'll go Lakers third. Then between the Bucks and the Warriors, I think that Bucks team was just the so Bucks have
1: to be the best, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, because Drew Holiday is so insane defensively.
0: Chris um, Middleton, we can't. Chris Middleton, I mean, how was?
1: Oh yeah, and then just Giannis, man. But that, that that's. That's a an interesting trio because it's got one superstar, an all star, the borderline all star, and w- another borderline all star. Which it's it's rare for a, to have a trio where there's only one guy who's a solidified all star. Yet they're so dominant.
0: Exactly, and I think you know, like this Bucks team was looking to go back to the finals again. And I think if Chris Middleton wasn't injured, we might have been talking about the Bucks versus Warriors in the NBA Finals. But obviously, Chris Middleton's injury a huge blow, and, and that really changed everything.
1: It would have been crazy to see how the, the Warriors handled Giannis in a, in a long-term series. Because one of the issues that the
0: Warriors encountered throughout the series, and obviously they found ways to overcome it, was just dealing with Boston's size. And they found ways to, to deal with it, but I think when you're dealing with Giannis, that's a whole different beast. Literally, yeah, no it's way. not
1: just size. It's literally everything. It's size, strength, speed, athleticism, durability. Um, exactly. But even if he can shoot, if if Giannis, like, let's forget about everything. If Giannis can have a a day where he shoots fifty percent of his shots mid range and out, the, the Bucks are going to win.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So like that's that's a guarantee. Exactly. So.
0: So. He- that's what He's the most unstoppable player, and I think the Bucks also just so well-constructed. I mean, like, guys like Pat Connaughton were just so big for them, you know, hitting threes, playing great defense, um, and, and just, like, it, and, you know, guys like Brooke Lopez, too. Uh, I you know what, the
1: Bucks team. I think I'm going to switch my rankings around a little bit okay. um, just because talking through it, I'm going to put the Lakers, actually, at, at the fourth spot. Mm. Um Put my the mm, I'm gonna put the Warriors at the third spot, the Raptors at the second spot. I really just think that that Kawhi tore up the postseason in general, not just the finals, but he dismantled, he destroyed that Bucks team in 2019. Um, and there was like a and lot. They're shot against the Sixers. Think about that. Like that was obviously that's like luck, right? That to a certain extent, but that's that was him in that year. That was like the most wild, like. Yeah, In a single postseason run from one player, and you also forgot—I didn't even mention Fred VanVleet,
0: Marcus, Serge, Marcus, Serge Ibaka. Marc Gasol, Serge Ibaka. That was
1: a that was a great team. And can we sit? Can I sit here and say that they beat, would have beat the Warriors if Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson were healthy? Of course not, because we have no clue what would have happened. But we can say that Kawhi Leonard single-handedly took the Raptors from nothing to a championship.
0: That's fair, and I think. We just agree to disagree on that because there is so much to talk about um, in terms of legacy, in terms of status after these finals. I want to move on to talking about Stephen Curry because as we previously mentioned, he won his first finals MVP, which has really been the biggest knock on his career if you had to come up with one. Um, Obviously, playing with Kevin Durant didn't help his case. And then 2015, Iguodala took that trophy away from him. Um, So I want to say, Hunter, four rings, um, a finals MVP now, uh, I think what two MVPs, right? A couple, <clears throat> a couple scoring titles. You want to add those on? So many All NBA selections and All Star picks. Is Steph Curry a, a top ten player all time?
1: Man, at this point, I think he has to be. Okay, I mean, like we we're we're talking. Okay, let's let's just. I'm gonna lay out the probably solidified top ten in most people's minds right now, and yeah. I'm gonna see who who you knock off. It, this does not include Steph Curry, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Yep. Magic Johnson, Kareem, um, Shaq, Kobe, Tim Duncan, maybe Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, and uh, did I say Magic? Yeah, you did. Okay, Larry, did I say Larry Bird? Uh, no. Okay, so then that would be my, let's say solidified top 10. So who who bet- between those guys are you knocking off? Because like so I feel like a lot of people would say maybe you knock off Bill Russell or Wilt Chamberlain, but this is it disrespectful to knock off the guys who came before these players, the leg, the legacy, these guys left behind because we don't truly know how they played and what they would do today.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't really know. It's, it's really hard to say, you know, and also because you're not just dealing with Steph Curry coming in at that, um, at that spot for 10, if you want to knock out a guy like Wilt or, or even Larry Bird or something like that. Um, you have guys like uh, Hakeem Olajuwon who are equally as deserving, I think, of that 10th spot, you know, like these really great players that are just missing the cuff. Or if you want to go like all-time players, um, you know, there's plenty of players in the past who played in like the 50s, 60s, who have the accolades, who might want to get, go into that spot. You know, I'm thinking a guy like Jerry West or something like that. Um, but in terms of Steph Curry being there, it just feels wrong putting him over like Wilt Chamberlain or or like Larry bird. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm ready to play it.
1: I think that he has proven in his career that he, okay, let's look at like, let's compare his accolades to magic Johnson's.
0: Okay. Well, I actually have that right now. So, Oh, you do. Okay. Magic has one more championship, one more MVP, two more finals MVPs, four more all-star selections and two more all NBA
1: selections. Okay, that's quite a bit more. And his career length was much shorter.
0: That's kind of like a whole Hall of Fame career just in terms of the difference between them.
1: Yeah, I think Magic Johnson only played in the NBA for, what, 11 years? Oh, Uh, I wonder
0: why it was so short. I wonder what could have stopped him from playing longer.
1: Okay, my mistake. He played for 12 years. Yeah. Uh, He came back for a 13th season, but he played... He, he didn't really play. He was like 36, played like 30 games. And like,
0: yeah, it was a weird. Just,
1: it was, that wasn't like him really playing. So let's say he had a 12 year career and completed all those things. Steph Curry has been in the league for 13 years. So he's had a longer career so far than Magic Johnson and has done less things.
0: I also want to say, in terms of this conversation of top 10 player all time, or even if you want to talk about who's the best point guard, I think you got to look at. The, the the years with Kevin Durant as being a big knock on, on Curry's legacy. Not in terms of, like, his fault, because like he didn't choose really to make KD join the team. Obviously, he had a say in it, but it wasn't like, I don't know. He, he couldn't convince Kevin Durant to join himself. Uh, but, you know, like, if you have the most dominant team, arguably, of all time, and you just sort of steamroll your way to two rings, I think that's got to, you know, make those rings worth a little bit less than, you know, magic's rings, or or, you know even if so then
1: so then should people knock down the legacy of LeBron James and maybe say he's not the number one number two or even number top five player of all time because he designed his own teams to get to places and sometimes he didn't even get to the championship when he was designing his team
0: but I don't think that's necessarily fair because I okay for one I do think yes I think LeBron joining that, that team in South Beach with Wade and Bosch is a little bit of a hit on his legacy when you compare that to Jordan because Jordan did it all with one organization, you know, six rings, six on the finals. And so Jordan is never going to have to deal with that. But I think the difference between Curry and LeBron is that Steph Curry's team was just way better than any of those Heat teams, in my opinion. You know, yes, you had LeBron and uh, he was amazing, probably one of the peaks of his career. But you had Wade, who was Aging and his knees were given out by the, those 2013-2014 seasons. And, and Bosch obviously was not the same Bosch that he was in Toronto. Versus Kevin Durant in his prime. Steph Curry in his prime. Clay Thompson in his prime. Draymond Green in his prime. And then you have Steve Kerr coaching. We could talk but, about that in a bit. but
1: I, I don't disagree with you. I'm, I was just providing an argument that, that people would say as a knock on LeBron's career. That you, would, that you were using to for Steph Curry. Now I will say if man there's no way to like knock one of these guys out but I think if I were to personally knock one of my top 10 out it would be Shaq. Really. Shaq, okay. Shaq. I, mean. Shaq. Uh, I think we're talking about an entire legacy, an entire career. Shaq was the most dominant player for you know this the start of his career um he Has you know three Finals MVPs, he won four championships. He is insane. Like we've all seen the footage, but I also will say that he had a career as a journeyman for a long time in the NBA that people kind of forget about, like those dark days of Shaq. You know, going to the Suns, to the Celtics, um, to these other teams, and you know we'll see what Steph Curry amounts to by the end of his career. But I think his his trajectory is going to age a lot better than Shaq and Shaq also didn't take care of himself if Shaq had taken care of himself he could have been on this path to the greatest player of all time Um, but I think the way somebody treats themselves and how they like what they do to make themselves great in the all-time perspective does impact their status
0: that is fair Uh, and I think that is a good argument for why in my opinion Shaq's not in my top five but I think his dominance like, even though, yes, his career sort of dwindled out at the end and, you know, he was bouncing around from team to team and he was really a shell of himself by the time he arrived in Boston. I think that his dominance in the finals and in the playoffs and as a player was like literally unparalleled. He was the most dominant player ever in his peak. So for him not to be top 10 would be, in my opinion, a bit of a blunder. Um, I mean, just look at his, his final stats in to the 2000 finals. He averaged 38, 17, two assists, and almost three blocks a game. Like, that's unbelievable, those stats. And, you know, just nobody could guard him. He had elite footwork, despite what people say. His size was unparalleled. And he was just literally unstoppable. The only way you could stop him was sending him to the free throw line. And I think just that pure dominance alone should put him in the top 10. And, I mean, he does have the accolades, too. He's got, yeah. that, EP. He's got I, that I
1: got who Great. who are the the solidified top 10 guys though cuz I think you have to go with Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, you've Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Larry Bird, um Tim Duncan.
0: Bill Russell has to be there. Bill
1: Russell, 7 rings.
0: Like that lane. Bill is-
1: Russell. So, I mean, you say Shaq, right?
0: I say Shaq's there too.
1: Did I say I said Wilt Chamberlain, I believe.
0: No, I think Wilt was that would be the last. Guy.
1: So yeah. So how many are all of those guys solidified? This is the thing? Do we we say all those are those the consensus top ten?
0: I think they're the top ten for now. I think Curry does have. I think if Curry gets one more ring or he gets another MVP, or I just I need to see how his career plays out. I'm not ready to put him top ten yet, but he has the potential to be top ten. And I would say knock maybe, you know wilt out of there or even may, maybe even bill russell because you know it was a different era back then and it, it, it there is an argument to be made that the best three-point shooter of all time deserves a spot in the top 10
1: yeah uh i would uh, yeah i think i could agree with that and i think maybe one day we could say that both Wilt and uh bill russell will be replaced by Giannis and Steph.
0: that would be crazy i mean Giannis is also on that trajectory too and yeah you know Bucks are definitely going to be a team to watch out for next season.
1: Yeah, because I think trajectory-wise, I know we're kind of going off topic from stuff, but Giannis, for his age, versus like the his surrounding um, class, is on a far far higher trajectory for his age than like even LeBron.
0: Then LeBron at that same age.
1: Yeah. Not saying that. Not saying that he's a better player than LeBron, but as far as his accolades so far in his career. I think he's either paralleled or above LeBron. I don't know what LeBron had when he was 27. That's
0: fair. I would say
1: 10 years ago. Okay. No, that's LeBron, like prime LeBron, 2012 LeBron. So I I'd say that he's on, he's on par with LeBron's accolades.
0: That is true. That is very fair. And I think, you know, like Giannis is a guy we're going to be talking about a lot over the next 10 years. Um, But I, I want to talk about some other members of the Warriors Um, And just like what this ring means for them. I I really want to start actually with Andrew Wiggins because his two-way performance throughout these playoffs was incredible. What a player he's become in Golden State. Like this is a guy that everyone sort of bashed as a bust as he sort of like was just rotting away in Minnesota, not doing anything. Comes to the Warriors for D'Angelo Russell. Everyone says it's a really bad move for Golden State. But, you know, he really transformed his game. He became a solid two-way player. I would say he was, almost became Harrison Barnes 2.0, you know, playing better defense uh, and just being able to knock down the mid-range and the three-pointer, um, as well as give you some athletic dunks too. Does this sort of wash away any of the bust talk? You know, he, he was the, I would say he was the second most valuable player in the Warriors uh, in these finals, and he now he, he has a ring.
1: So oh, he's absolutely not a bust. Like, you cannot call him, like, that bust player that people were making him out to be. You can call him, I think, a disappointment, which means that uh, compared to what people wanted for him to be, people were like, he's the next LeBron, he's next this. You can say, yeah, he's not going to ever be LeBron. He's not going to, you know, go down as an all-time player. But what he will go down as for this Warriors team is really the guy that stepped up for them when no one else was and the Warriors recognize that. And they're going to appreciate that. And they're going to keep him for as long or a long time, it, it, or at least they're going to try to, because he was such an integral part of this team. When when Draymond Green wasn't playing well, when Clay Thompson wasn't hitting his shots, when he was four for 18, it was, it was really Andrew Wiggins locking down on the defensive end, guarding Tatum, guarding Jalen Brown, boxing out Al Horford, grabbing the boards. Um, the one thing I did want to see from him was stronger finishing because I felt like there was a lot of layups, a lot of missed opportunities for him where he really could have had even a, maybe a 20, 25 point for performance just by making a few layups, but he had a 17 point performance instead, um, which is really saying a lot because he's grown so much as a player, especially being on the Swires team, learning how to win games. Um, And I think he'll only improve because this is really the start of him learning how to win.
0: Yeah, no, I certainly agree with everything you're saying. I think that, you know, he he was a little bit weak on the finishing, but his rebounding was really the key to to the Warriors winning the championship. And also, like, in Game 5, Steph Curry went missing, you know, 0 for 9 from 3. Andrew Wiggins was the best player in that game and really was pivotal to them taking that. Um, And so – uh, credit to him and I think yeah like it's kind of like when your parents are mad at you it's like I'm not mad I'm just disappointed you're not a bust you're just a little bit of a disappointment um, <laughs> but I think that's because the expectations were so high you know people were calling him out of high school Maple Jordan the next LeBron like he was really like being hyped up to those levels and so obviously anything short of like literally being LeBron is gonna be get you labeled as a bust. So I think Wiggins has really like transformed his career as well, um, and for the better too. And I, I'm just really happy to see him win a ring because he's one of those. He's one of the nicest guys in the league, and you know, I, I'm just. He's had a great season. You know, first time All Star, he got his ring and played amazing in the finals. That's that's about all you could ask for.
1: All NBA starter or not All NBA. I mean All Star starter. Don't yeah, forget no. that.
0: Amazing. Yeah. I I'm a fan of that. I like yeah. That.
1: So I we're, we're talking about the worst, but let's, let's flip onto the other side because we haven't really talked about the Celtics at all. Um, That's and nice. let's start, let's start with the elephant in the room. Jason Tatum. He had a pretty. Oh,
0: wait, you got a new name. Did you not hear about it? What's Jason, his new? Jason turnover.
1: Oh yeah. I like that. <laughs> so Jason Tatum officially has the most turnovers in a single postseason in NBA history. Um, the, there's, you know, also some caveats to that. You know, he had uh, possession of the ball a ton of the time, and it, when, the eye test doesn't show you that he is this turnover machine like Russell Westbrook or James Harden because he's also providing, dent, uh, you know, defense. He's providing certain things that these other guys, you know, aren't. And I'm sure that if you got James Harden or Russell Westbrook to the finals. Uh, outside of that you know 2011 like as their individual players they would probably have more turnovers than Jason Tatum did obviously that's like a what-if scenario but I feel like the eye test didn't show you that Jason Tatum turned it over as much as you know the stats say
0: yeah and I also think you have to factor in like the Celtics played a lot of games this postseason they won't they've played two seven game series a six game series the only series that wasn't close was surprisingly the Brooklyn series in the first round um and I don't think a lot of turnovers were really made in that series because Brooklyn was not really the defensive juggernaut that, you know, I guess we said yeah, that
1: everyone expected the Brooklyn to be defensive juggernaut. But, of course, you know. yeah.
0: but I think, you know, like I, I would agree. I think Tatum, I think, yes, he did not play good in these finals and he turned the ball over too much, but I don't think it was as bad as the stats said. The eye test just sort of showed that, you know, for me, it was just him missing shots, being unwilling to take shots um, and just poor decision-making all around. I, I think that that was really what made Tatum's performance that bad. It wasn't really the turnovers in my eyes. It was just mm-hmm. not hitting the right shots when you had to.
1: Yeah, Ralph and I were also texting back and forth about something that I thought was interesting I wanted to bring up, was the, the Kobe comparisons for Jason Tatum, as not as only like in this offseason, but as a player, him wearing the 24, um, all that stuff.
0: He had that tweet that he sent out where he's like, he texted Kobe before one of the games and he said like, I got you today. And obviously we know Jason Tatum was a huge Kobe fan. Um, So yeah, there's been a lot of Kobe comparisons.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't buy into it nearly as much as I think Rafa does. Well,
0: I think that like, sorry to cut you off, but I think that there's a lot of arguments to be made that like his trajectory is not that far off from Kobe. I mean, like, he's had a lot of big moments in the playoffs. He's still a a very young player and you compare the final stats, right? And it's not as big of a disparity as you might think, uh, because in Kobe's first finals, he only averaged around 16 points, five rebounds and four assists. And then you look at Tatum, his first finals, he averages 21 and a half points, seven assists and seven rebounds. So Uh,
1: do you know what, uh, When Kobe was 24 years old, that's the same age as Jason Tatum. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you know what he was averaging in the finals? That was 2003, by the way. Um, He was averaging 32 points, five rebounds, five assists, a steal. um, And he was shooting 44% from the field and 40% from three. Okay, well... That does not sound like a... Jason Tatum, who's also 24, I understand the experience is a lot different because Kobe Bryant at this point is in you know hit the, the back end of a three-peat uh, with Shaquille O'Neal, so he's had way more experience. But age is a huge factor in this in the growth that they can have. And while he's still young, I just think that the c- comparison between Kobe Bryant and Jason Tatum is, there's a big gap. It's just like the Devin Booker Kobe Bryant comparisons to me. There's a a, a large large disparity there that I don't think can be caught up. And I can see like the little things here and there, but to say Jason Tatum, I think in a few years is going to, you know, have the same stats as Kobe Bryant and be playing in these moments is a little far-fetched.
0: Okay, well, I'm definitely not going that far to say he is the next Kobe, but I'm just saying like, there is comparisons to be made in terms of their play style, in terms of, you know, like, their footwork and how the shot making and, uh, you know, their their preference for the mid range. I'm saying there's a lot of stuff there. And I'm saying that you can't really count out the Kobe comparisons just yet because, yes, that's true. When they were the same age, Kobe was already way ahead in terms of his career than Tatum was. And this finals really demonstrated it. But I would say that there's also a lot of key differences. The biggest one literally being Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, Tatum has always had to be the number one guy. On the celtics he's always had to carry them even when he was a rookie and they were in in 2018 battling against lebron in the eastern conference finals that was basically jason tatum's team because kyrie irving was out and so kobe bryant has always for the first half of his career pretty much he got to play number two to shaq who was in his prime and as we previously said was the most dominant player in nba history and so i don't think jason tatum has been afforded that luxury you put Jason Tatum behind like prime LeBron and I guarantee you those Kobe Bryant comparisons are starting to look a lot better. So that's all I want to say. I'm not saying that he's going to really be like Kobe and, and be the next coming of him in the same way that I don't think Devin Booker will be, but I'm just saying that like these comparisons, they have some merit to them. That's all.
1: Okay. That's fair. Uh but I think let's also talk I, about I want
0: to point out one thing. The difference between our podcast and like first take is that on first take, I would have to make a controversial statement. So we get clicks. So I would be like Devin Booker and Jason Tatum will be the next Kobe Bryant. They will be better than Kobe Bryant.
1: <laughs> and then I'm, I'm, I'm Shannon Sharp over here and you're, um, Oh Skip my God. You're, you're Skip Bayless. Mm.
0: Exactly. And you're like, and oh. you're
1: like, and you're like, I have a bold prediction: the Orlando Magic are winning the next year's NBA championship.
0: Watch you say that, and then they actually do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like the Orlando Magic are going to get Giannis for Jalen Suggs. Uh,
0: but let's let's keep talking about the the Celtics really quick because I want to bring up a couple more things. Uh, one, do you think that they can make it back here again? And before before you answer that, I want to I want your answer. Who do you think was? Consistently the best player for the Celtics. That's fine.
1: Jalen Brown, no question. Mm-hmm. Um, he was consistently playing good defense and good offense, Ever on good efficiency. I don't know the numbers, but he was definitely this he was the scoring leader for them. I think somewhere around 24-25 points a game. Um, he was getting boards, he was effective all around. And he really didn't have a bad game. Not that I can really think of. I think there were a few guys who stepped up in a few games like Al Horford came up big in game 1 he came up big uh game 3 so he had his moments but i think that the Celtics are going to struggle next year in some capacity because i think a guy like Al Horford like this year was a big toll for him being 36 going to be 37 um so i don't know how sustainable this is for him as a player um but i do think that the Celtics team has the capacity to make it back here next year. They just need to find this within themselves again, stay hungry, and like fix the holes that they had this year. And I really think some of the holes that they had were an inconsistent ability to make shots um, and just keep that defensive identity. Like I think a, a big thing that sometimes teams will do if they lose in the finals or lose in the playoffs is kind of throw out their identity and try to find a new one. But they need to stick to their identity that they had, which was a defensive anchor. And they could end up being the number one seed if they play like they did the second half of the season.
0: Definitely could be. I mean, there's no counting out Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. We know how good they are and how good this Celtics team is as a whole. I would agree with you. I think Jalen Brown was definitely the best player consistently throughout these finals. But I also want to give a lot of credit to Marcus Smart. I think that he stepped it up a big time on offense and really made a lot of big shots for the Celtics. So that was good to see. But I think, you know, it just really wasn't enough. And this Warriors team was much better overall than the Celtics. So um, I think that is a well-deserved championship. And I I, I just wanted to say that it's going to be interesting to see what changes the Celtics decide to make in the offseason. Because I don't think they're just going to say, hey, let's run it back. Because I think the Celtics know every team in the East is going to be gunning for them next season. And especially
1: to- the bucks Like the Bucks are mm-hmm. hungry and Chris Middleton's coming back.
0: And let's not forget about the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, I hate to like sort of beat a dead horse, but come on, they have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like that's gotta mean something. And we'll see the
1: X factor in oh, Ben Simmons. I mean, that really that- could work well for them.
0: We did not see Ben Simmons play a single minute this season. So how he's gonna integrate with this team if he stays healthy is gonna be a thing to see. So I think that the Celtics are going to make some moves. And as you said, hopefully it falls within that, that defensive identity and they get more guys like Derek white um, who really complement this team. Well,
1: yeah. So I, I think the Celtics have a lot of positives, but they cannot stay stagnant um, because the, the heat or another team you have to think of. I mean, and the Sixers, the Sixers, the Joel Embiid's going to come back. We'll see what James Harden looks like. Uh, I mean, the East is going to be, pretty stacked i mean
0: and don't forget about the bulls too like when they were healthy they were the one seed they might be coming back for blood next season
1: hey don't forget about the wizards when they weren't the starting the season they were (laughs) the one seed (laughs) (laughs) yeah don't forget guys can can you believe that the first quarter of the (laughs) season the wizards were the number one seed
0: i mean man montrez harrell was in those mvp talks for a little bit (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, for real, they were uh, like a top five seed until Bradley Beal got injured, which I think is kind of funny. Um And finally, crazy.
0: don't forget about those Charlotte Hornets. Lamella Ball might be coming for the MVP next year.
1: Oh, yeah. I, we, it's a stacked conference, man. Uh But let's, let's see. I think we've got a good amount of talk about this this season over. I don't know if there was any well, okay, other points you want to bring up.
0: Okay. I'll, I'll like, just talk about the season as a whole. Did, did you like the season? Obviously this was like the first season back to being normal, you know, after COVID um, with full crowds and stuff, how would you rank the season? What were some of the highs and lows for you?
1: Man, this is a tough season for a Laker fan.
0: Yeah. But, like, <laughs> uh,
1: this was a painful, painful season, but as a whole, this was a great year for the NBA, lots of parody in the league and it really felt like a toss up and there're definitely not a lot of people expecting the warriors to win the championship when you had teams like the bucks the suns um, the mavs were a great surprise mm. the grizzlies were another surprise so i have to give this nba season like a solid like maybe an 8 cuz i felt like this was like one of the better years i wish there maybe the the eastern conference and the western conference finals were closer as as a whole but Outside of that, this was a very competitive playoffs.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely glad. And I think there was just the right amount of surprises this year um, with, you know, the Grizzlies being as good as they were with the the Suns really dropping the bag. But there were also a lot of injuries, which I know is, is common to every single year. But that really did sort of put a damper in some series, like obviously the Bucks. That was a huge uh, disappointment for me to not see Chris Middleton play or like In the Grizzlies series, John Morant being out really changed the momentum there. Um, So that was really disappointing to see. But I think, yeah, for the most part, it was an amazing season. I would say my high was seeing John Morant flourish into one of the most fun players to watch. I mean, how many ridiculous highlights did he have? I'm thinking like the crazy block he had in the Lakers where he went two hands off the backboard or like that...
1: Against Avery Bradley?
0: Exactly. From that full court pass from Steven Adams and he like catches it and takes the jump shot with like four seconds left. So many fun highlights like that. Shaw
1: and Luca, both of them for me. And then
0: I guess my low would be um, Russell Westbrook, just having to watch him play.
1: No, you got to give a specific Russell Westbrook memory. If you're going to say Russell Westbrook. Oof. Mine would be the pull-up jumpers and uh, in the, in the fast break where he'd hit, like, the top of the backboard. Not even, like, the backboard, but, like, the shot clock, and it would bounce off.
0: Oh, yeah, that was not fun to see. I honestly lost brain cells every time that happened. Another one for me is uh, – it was actually, like, an early memory. I, I've sort of repressed this one. You know, Freud talks a lot about repressed trauma, and I think that's sort of this instance – was having to watch DeAndre Jordan and Russell Westbrook play on the <laughs> starting together, starting together. And Frank Vogel thinking he's cooking something up but he's really not. I don't know what was going on in his head there. Um but yeah, that was honestly miserable to watch. And having to tell my dad every single time like no trust me, now the Lakers are turning it around. No tr- now they're doing it. They got the chemistry with Westbrook. It's happening now just for it to never happen was was painful.
1: Yeah, but I think it's a good time to talk about uh, a trade. This is a big one, so we didn't think it should wait until next week, but the Rockets and the Mavericks made a trade. The Rockets uh, traded Christian Wood for the the Mavs' 26th pick, Boban Marjanovic, Trey Burke, and Marquise Chris. So now the core on this... uh, This Mavericks team is going to be Spencer Dinwiddie, Jalen Brunson, Luka Doncic, and Christian Wood. So that's a pretty solid at least four right there. Um, And they're not giving up any real rotational pieces. Boban was a backup center who got some minutes, um, and he was definitely a fun piece for them. But they're not really losing any assets outside of that 26th pick. So how do you feel about this trade for both teams?
0: I like this trade a lot for the Mavericks. I think that Christian Wood is going to fit in perfectly alongside Luka Doncic as just that pick and pop partner. I think he's going to provide a lot for them on on offense. I am concerned for his defense though, because you know his his defense has always sort of been the weakest part of his game. And although he has all of the physical intangibles, you know he has the length, he has the size, he just doesn't put in the effort. And hope I'm just tracking that up to hopefully him being like playing with a terrible Rockets team and, you know, like him not really wanting to put in that much effort. And hopefully that changes under Jason Kidd's system because the Mavericks were a really good defensive team. But I think this was a fantastic trade for the Mavs because they didn't give up anything really of value. Yes, a 26 pick would have been nice, but you don't need it if you're a contending team, which the Mavericks are. And then, as you said, Bobon, Trey Burke, and Marquis Chris were – end of the rotation guys so they're not really losing too much and then in terms of the Rockets like I think the biggest thing here is just getting that pick which is just another asset and you know they just got some solid role players that they can play alongside their young guys to help them develop and win a couple games here and there Mm
1: -hmm. yeah I really think that this should be interesting for the the Dallas team the only my only worry with them is that they had Kristaps Perzingis. And obviously, you traded him for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davos bertons And that worked out beautifully. You got rid of this guy who's the unicorn and he, he just wasn't the right fit for your team. And now you're bringing in a guy who's not exactly a unicorn, but he kind of does something similarly to Kristaps. He's just maybe a little faster, a little more athletic, um, doesn't have a history of injury. So those are some positives. But Is it going to be harmful to your system to bring back something that wasn't necessarily successful for you Mm -hmm. when you had so much success with the team you already had and trying to build around what you already have?
0: See, I, I see that argument and I definitely think that's an area of concern, but my response to that would be that I think that the biggest dearth for the Mavericks was just a proper big man, just somebody to hold down the center position because how many games did they lose to the Warriors just because they were getting out-rebounded or just didn't have enough size. So I think that this gives them some flexibility because Christian Wood, he's not like a super tall 7'3 big man like Kristaps, but he's still is going to give you some size and contributes to the shooting of this team. So in theory, he's going to fit in perfectly, but obviously we'll have to see how that works out. Um, but I think this can only really help the Mavericks because if anything, he's another piece you can move. The last thing I want to mention on this, unless you have anything else to add, um, yeah. what what do we have to make of Christian Wood's trade value if this is the best trade the Rockets could get for him?
1: Yeah, I mean it really seems low. Maybe teams are seeing that lack of effort um, because last year Christian Wood's trade value was sky high. I mean teams were considering like giving. High, high draft picks for him. He was really looking great on that Pistons team to end the year, and people saw the potential in him. I don't really know what's changed that much. I, I'm not actively uh, a follower of the Rockets because I think they're one of the less fun teams to watch in the league. Uh, generally speaking, you know, they're very young, and I think they'll become think a fun team.
0: like watching young guys, like young 20-year-old AAU players ISO ball for like 48 minutes a game? It's not yeah,
1: I think they could become a fun team.
0: No, yeah, but, I I'm actually like I say that, but I'm actually a fan of the Rockets.
1: Yeah, I think they really really could become a fun team. I just don't know enough of what Christian would did this year, but he didn't. It didn't seem to me like he was having that bad of a year, so I don't know what changed in his trade value. Maybe the the only thing I can think of is the Rockets really have someone they're gunning for with that pick, or they're going to trade that pick to to get higher draft picks and and. I, I really it's hard for me to see the Rockets side of this, but I know the Rockets are smart enough not to just give Christian Wood away for free. So they have a plan.
0: Yeah. And I think that it does make sense to trade Christian Wood as just a general idea, because you have guys like Alper and Shagoon, um, you have Kenny and Martin Jr. And a lot of young, big, big guys that you want to give minutes to. And I, I, I don't know. I don't think Christian would really fit in on this team uh, just because he wasn't really on the same timeline as them.
1: Yeah, he's yeah. a little bit older. He's not that much older, but it's still – he's at the point in his career where he's getting ready to make the cusp to be an all-star um, or, like, get to that point. And I think the other guys are maybe two, three years behind him.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, But it's going to be exciting to see future trades. And, obviously, we have the draft coming up. So, you know, we're going to cover that extensively and talk about winners and losers and everything you need to know about that. Um, And with yeah. that, I think we can call it. This was the yeah. last podcast episode of the 21-22 season thank you all so much for sticking with us and uh stay tuned for episodes in the off season.
1: absolutely this was a great season man
0: yes sir here's some many more um and with that i want to thank you all so much for listening and uh take care we'll see you all next week
1: bye Bye-bye.